think growing up, uh, especially like in elementary school and middle school, um, I kind of shied away from that part of me. You know, I just wanted to be normal or just like everyone else. Um, and I think it wasn't until, you know, maybe even college or post-college, you know, when it's like, no, this is, this is who I am, you know? Um, I, a lot of my solo work is, you know, personal um, feelings or, you know, me working through something or, you know, how we process you know, some things. So a lot of, when I first started making music, um, my first solo record was, you know, Black Sun Sutra, and that was right after my grandmother passed away. And, you know, that kind of helped me work through, you know, whatever I was feeling at that time. Um, and so it was dedicated to her. And then second one, White Sun Sutra, was my grandfather passed away in Japan. My mom's grandfather really suddenly, and that was my response to that. You know, and I think after that, it kind of just um, fallen into, you know, a lot of the music that I'm making, I am self-reflecting or reflecting, you know, not only on myself, or, but my, my family, you know, and kind of I think it's important to you know reflect on that and you know I wouldn't be here without my ancestors I wouldn't be here without my parents my grandparents you know and what they went through and you know I think the camps um, I didn't experience it you know but I think that experience still kind of lives on through me you know that that trauma is still there. I can't be on the record saying anything. What's that sound? Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? The proposition sounds intriguing. The proposition sounds very attractive. I tell you, it's a thoroughly sound proposition. Uh, I am a Japanese-American uh, multi-instrumentalist uh, based here in Los Angeles. My parents put me in like a like beginner piano stuff at like, you know, age five, like a good Asian boy, you know, and I stuck with it and it was, you know, I I definitely had my ups and downs with it when I was growing up, but I'm glad I went through it. And then fifth grade, yeah, the fifth grade band, you know, 
So um, my mom would always play like classical music or like there's like this jazz station. She'd uh, play those two in the car, you know, to and from. And I remember seeing it and I was like, yo, this, this is the instrument. Like it looks so fucking cool. Like there's so many buttons. It's fucking big and shiny. Like that's it. I pick it up and you know, you mentioned ska. Like I, I definitely had a moment where I was into ska, you know, like middle school and early high school. And, you know, if there were people that, if there was a ska band, you know, near my area, like I'm sure I would have like wiggled my way into it, like for sure. And who knows if that would have changed my trajectory as far as, you know, where I am now. But yeah, yeah, I remember I, I really wanted to be in any band, you know, the, I wasn't really familiar, at least in my middle school, there wasn't really people playing or had that kind of interest. And then high school, I finally, towards the end of high school, I finally kind of got into like an actual band band. I was in like a Led Zeppelin cover band for a minute. I was like, fuck it. Like, I don't even care. Like, I just need to play with other people. I played bass and then, yeah. And then I, I got on my first like actual band, um, like end of high school early college and it was like kind of like art rock like we really love deer hoof and blonde redhead and stuff like that uh, yeah and i kind of just went from there you know
Yeah, totally. I mean, <clears throat> I, I am a huge fan of black metal music, you know? And going into that recording session, I uh, intended it to be just like a saxophone black metal record, you know? Um, and I had like more or less like some idea of how I wanted it to like kind of flow, you know? Um, and originally I was just gonna, you know, plug my amp in and just have like one mic, you know, like one shitty fucking mic, you know, and I just recorded on a, you know, I'm a DAW and I was calling my friend um, Felix Salazar. He like, you know, helped produce that and he did the Demian, smashed a lot of my shit. He's like the guy. Um, and he was like, no man, like you should like Sigma have like two amps and just have like, you know, a mic on here and then have room mic for you and then have something out like a distance one, like just to have it. No, man, I wanted to be a black metal record. Like, no, 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 just have it. And just in case, you know, and it, it worked out like I tried shopping that album out. You know, I mixed it how I wanted it. And, you know, no one took. And then I sent it to Peter Colbos, who, who runs the Finrist, and he listened to it. And then we had, uh, we had lunch. And he was like, you know, I like it. I think it could be more like three dimensional as far as sound. And then I told Felix, and thank God we had those extra mics, you know, so we really was able to play with the space and make it sound huge. Um, and, it, and it really worked out, so. Just rule of thumb, I just listen to whatever he tells me. Yeah, I mean, that it, it would have been uh, college for me. Uh, I was late to the game. Um, there's like a couple friends um, that was in high school that really showed me a lot of stuff. Um, Arturo and my friend Victor. And then we had our friends, you know, Noah, Dylan, and, and Ryan, and Henry. And we would all listen to different weird stuff, but Art would send, he was ahead of the game. He had like an older brother that kind of showed him stuff. Um, and, you know, that's how we learn, you know, and I think even with Coltrane, I started, you know, with the classics, the Blue Train and Love Supreme and stuff. And it wasn't until, damn, it must have been sophomore year or junior year even of, of college when I started getting into the out stuff. And for me, like Ascension and Interstellar Space were just the ones for me. And I still, fucks me up when I listen to it, you know? Um, and from there, you know, the internet, like, you know, remember blogs? <laughs> like, there were all those, like, you know, crazy blogs, like, review blogs that, you know, would have just post tons of stuff and, like, the picture of the cover, like, little description, and then, like, the, the link to, like, the zip. And I would spend hours, you know, I'd just find, like, a couple and just, like, go down, just download all of them, just listen. And, you know, we are Japanese, you know, free jazz. Um, of course, the European stuff and then the American stuff, and it just like was whole different. Yeah, I really got stuck in that world, and it it definitely expanded my mind. And you know, it's like what the fuck a saxophone can sound like this? Like this is wild, you know. Um, and it was great. I don't think a lot of people 
in my college class really fucked with anything like that. So it was mostly just me on headphones and then, you know, I'd go back home on the weekends and be like, oh shit, you guys hear this, you know? Um, but yeah, it's I still listen to it. There's so much out there. I feel like there's a lot of great players that are out now too, you know, and yeah, it's fantastic. At that point in college, you were doing like a math rock group or something like that, or? It was, it was mostly all math rock for sure. But, and, and so when did the sax come into play with your sort of? It came in maybe around that same time. I joined this uh, Zool band called Karima. And uh, as a joke, so one of my good friends, Ryan, um, joined and it was like a trio or quartet by then and we were like you know out drinking tea or something I was like hey man like you should ask them if they need a saxophone player and then he, he asked them and they're like yeah they're, they're fucking down so I joined and then you know they were like these 23 minute like compositions and it was super fun and I think from there I got into you know playing the horn in that kind of environment and then from there, you know, I started making free jazz with the piano player, Apaco. We had like this duo and it would just be us like, you know, making noise. And then from there, you know, kind of evolving and getting other friends into it. And um, yeah, I think at first I thought like, this will be easy. I could just make whatever sounds I want. And it's, you know, not like that at all. <laughs>
writing Dissension and, you know, writing Kidemi, it has kind of helped me work through that. With Hidemi, actually, like, I wasn't even sure I was going to re release it. You know, I came through many different versions. It was supposed to be a collaboration at one point. There was a couple of mixes that came back that just didn't, didn't feel right. And I don't know if part of me didn't want to release it because it was so personal, you know? But, you know, standing here today, like, I'm glad it, it released i'm glad it's resonating with people you know i'm glad some people have learned about the camps you know that that weren't familiar before and i'm glad i could put my dad and my grandpa on the on a cover of something you know Yeah, um, I mean, it was a fucking awful time, <laughs> you know, like it was kind of surreal um, leading up to it was weird. You know, I was like, this guy's not going to fucking win. Like, look at him. And then, you know, everything after that, it was just like a fucking shit show. Um, and, you know, he egged on a lot of other pieces of shit, you know, and it was it was it was uh it was kind of fucked um i'm glad we're out of it now um but you know his those four years still you know have heavy impact on you know right now which is insane um and you know i don't know what happens after biden's four years are up you know i'm sure not doing so hot, so, you know, another shithead's gonna come in, but, you know, I think all we can do is hope and, and fight and, you know, speak up.
um, in my high school history class, like there was just one paragraph about the camps. Um, I don't know how it was for you. I don't know if you got the longer. Yeah, but I remember like there was just one paragraph and I was like, what? Like this is this this seems too fucked up to just be like, you know, seven sentences. And then so I went home um, or I went to my grandma's house and I asked her about it. They're like, did you know about this? And then she kind of she kind of shut down and it kind of scared me because I've never seen it like that, you know, and I was like, oh, fuck, I made grandma feel, you know, not happy. And so, like, I didn't ask her again. Uh, I kind of wish I did bring it up again just to hear her stories because, you know, she passed away and I never got to. I mean, I don't know if passed down is the right word, you know, but I didn't know what she really went through. Um, and now to hear it secondhand through my dad and my aunt. But yeah, it, it's I mean. History book companies are just a whole nother thing in itself, you know. Whoever's, you know, running them, owning them, they they definitely are choosing what's <laughs> what's being said and, and shared. But I get it too, like at the same time, like, you know, that was a fucking bummer ass time like why would i want to talk about it let alone like you know share with fucking kids or grandkids like i don't want like i don't think i would want you know if let's say you know things get better like i i don't know if i'd want to you know tell you know an eight-year-old grandkid like oh remember back in my day like she was crazy and then give them all these details like what you know huh i'll just buy them some toys and be like all right let's go play some basketball outside you know I don't know, it's hard, it's, it's, it's well. With Hidemi, I think it, the way I started off, it, it kind of just started with some of those like saxophone parts, you know, and that was more written than, you know, probably anything I've, I've released under, you know, my own name. Um, and so with that, in that regards, I think it, it kind of started differently. Um, and so, you know, with it being a collaboration, I guess, made more sense. Um, but a lot of the times I do have a firm, at least idea, you know, what's gonna, what's gonna be what, you know, um, with collaborations mostly, I think we'll talk about it before um, starting something. Um, and so I'm trying to think back to when I started Demi. <laughs> <laughs> or what it was, I don't think it even had a name then. Yeah, it was just a couple of, you know, saxophone parts. Yeah.
Yeah, definitely. Um, that came about um, good friend Andrew. He knows Radu, and you know they go way back. Um, and it was I think Andrew's book release party, and he had this idea where he floated to him. He was like, "Hey, would you be down to write a composition for me?" Um, and he said yes. And then you know he got me. We emailed. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm totally down." Um, but I hadn't really heard of Radu's music. Uh, well then, you know, and so like, all right, cool, you know, I'm gonna do my homework and research. I wrote a bunch of interviews and I listened to his music. And at first, you know, after I was streaming some stuff and I was like, I, I don't hear fucking anything. And then skipping around and sometimes hear like a little like, you know, and I, I, it wasn't connecting with me. And so, you know, I had to research further and, and listen more and then I got it. And, you know, it, it definitely has, changed my playing um meeting him was awesome he came down for like a two-day thing and um before that i was like in contact with him like hey you know what kind of tones do you want you know talking about the piece how long it should be uh, i sent him a version um which i also released um and you know the performance it was i felt really good about my uh my phrasing and my time you know, it, it turned out, I didn't even know I was, it turned out it was fucking like 55 minutes, you know? And it was like in the small gallery. And then I was like, hey man, so what'd you think? And I, you know, I was feeling pretty good. It's like, you know, phrasing was good. Some of those notes though, they just, you know, they, they didn't speak, you know, I didn't like them. And I was like, no! <laughs> and then, you know, I, I, and then I thought about it, I was like, you know, you're right. This was before I, I released the actual um, CD with him through his label. And so, you know, I it took me another level of, you know, re being really in that zone. And then finally I recorded what I thought was like, you know, a pretty good version. I sent it to him, I was like, yeah, yeah, this is good. And then, you know, he released it, which is great. But I think before that, I mean, even a lot before that, I. Tended, you know, coming from a math rock background, um, the idea in my head was lots of notes all the time, you know, for all the space, you know, for the duration of your set, and that's a good performance, right? And that was really the opposite. That was like really listening to the room, even not even like collaborate with the room, um, and. Listening even to some of the solo, like free jazz improvisers from Japan, they play with a lot of space also, you know, and I think the combination of the two really uh, impacted me, you know, and so in my playing now, even when I try and start something with new collaborators, like I'll, I'll sit out for like the first at least two to three minutes, you know, sometimes even five to kind of feel a vibe and then, and then dive in. Um, and with my solo practice too, I'm trying to experiment with different, with, I guess with the silence and with the room, you know? Um, I recorded this thing during the quarantine where I found this uh, little underground parking lot under this restaurant. And uh, it was great because, you know, no one was out, everyone was scared. So I went and I would just play with the reverberation, you know, um, and I recorded it and it was, I think it taught me a lot of patience, you know, and that 
kind of sound is beautiful and it is part of music, you know? Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's something different. It definitely helps me approach it or the music, you know, I could either be many notes or I don't have to be many notes and I'm still contributing, you know? I will say with the Radu piece too, you know, there's like, there's supposed to be like a minute, minute and a half durations between each note. And as a performer, you know, in my mind, I was like, this will be fine. But then actually like being in the moment for those, you know, 90 seconds, 120 seconds is like, it's a long fucking time when you're in front of people, you know? Holy, like, you know, I'd be counting in my head and I'd get to like, you know, 30 seconds um, and you could hear people in their chairs, like kind of, you know, being uncomfortable and, you know, in my head, like, I know, I know, we're almost there. This next note is coming, <laughs> you know? Yeah, just, you know, make some sort of noise. Like, you know, it's hard to even just look at someone for two minutes in front of you, you know, like, what the... Huh? So I can only imagine, you know. Yeah. Um, so I met Matt through, uh, he released a CD of mine of a non-net I have, um, or at the time was a non-net um, through Patient Sounds. Then uh, Matt has collaborated and he's known Chris and Chaz for years. You know, they've done collaborations. I think Chris has been like on almost every single Matt solo album. Chaz and him has a couple of um, duo tapes and, and things and, um, 
Chaz hit me up to actually, all right, so he sent me a recording um, to listen to. I misinterpreted the email and thought it was an invitation <laughs> to play on top of it. So like I, you know, I record on top of it, it's like a 23 minute piece and I sent him back. And then it wasn't until after I sent it, I was like, oh fuck, this was a mistake. And then I was starting to get all slow, like, how would I feel if I sent someone a finished music and they record on top of it? I would kind of feel some way, right? <laughs> but like, luckily, he was down and he liked it. We released it later on, but he sent it to Matt um, to listen to. And then Matt kind of came up with the idea like, oh, maybe we can do this. This was early on in the pandemic, maybe a couple months in. Um, and so he reached out to the three of us and, you know, we all said yes. And we kind of just started um, writing music um, through the internet. So, you know, I would start it off with Matt. For the first record, at least Matt made like these piano sketches. Uh, he put it in a Dropbox and then one by one we would record on top of it. And then that sort of became the first Fubuchi album. Um, and then later on, Chaz started some. Uh, I think I started some later on and, and Chris did as well. And that was our, I guess, method, you know? And it's looking back, it was kind of crazy that we, you know, recorded and made four albums worth, you know, being in different states and not even have met in, in person. We just had like little Zoom meetings to mix, you know, that lasted like four hours because <laughs> we were goofing off half the time. Um, but, you know, it's been kind of wild that it's resonated with so many people um we kind of just released it and you know i didn't know where to reach out to for pr and it kind of just took off on its own which is you know really nice to see um i finally got to meet him last year um we finally did a festival and you know we all met and we we played um i'm not gonna lie there was there was like a moment in my head i was like now this would be wild if like you know we didn't have chemistry together <laughs> we didn't even get along like that'd be so odd like we could only function through the internet but it worked out um matt's moving right now but after he gets up i think we're gonna try and and uh write a new record um yeah yeah it's super organic you know i love them very much and you know writing with them is very easy the music that my dad was like hyped to listen to. I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. I was like, yeah, it just took me, you know, 15, 20, whatever years it was. Cool, great. I didn't play a saxophone on that on that on that tape. Yeah, it was a nice it was a nice uh, 
Yeah, it was a refreshing thing to do. Um, so I first started messing around with field recording and stuff um, early in the pandemic. Um, I didn't touch my horn for like a few months. That kind of weird depression, you know, and uncertainty set in and, you know, I was like, what's the fucking point? You know? So uh, I really got into like Fluxus stuff a little bit leading before that. And then, you know, once the lockdown uh, happened, I was really into it and um, made this record wholly alone, which was all, you know, samples, things. And, um, you know, Claire is such a really, I don't want to say pioneering, but, you know, she's really made uh, a place for herself. And it's, it's you know, beautiful to, to see. I, we, we were friends on the internet for like, you know, seven years prior. And we actually met for the first time in October, that first year of the pandemic in New York of all places, because we were just both there. Um, and, you know, it was just from being afar, it's really nice to see people who have been grinding and creating music and finally getting their flowers. You know, I think there's a lot more people that deserve praise that don't get it, you know, but when it's someone, you know, that you've seen for years, um, you know, get recognition, like it's beautiful to see, you know, it's, it's awesome. And so it was nice to just connect on that. And then, you know, a couple months later, we're like, yeah, let's just do it. Let's do a deal with it, a deal tape. And it was just sending, again, it was sending files back and forth through Dropbox and super easy. It came up with this concept of, you know, it being music heard from like another room, you know, um, there's a lot of field recordings. Um, we both played some guitar and piano on it. Um, and we mixed it and uh, she released it on her, her imprint label. Um, but yeah, it was it was easy. I, I really love it. You know, I think it sounds very different for me, but still kind of sounds like me. Um, yeah, it's, it was great. We joked around that the next tape would be like totally different, like her on drums and me on saxophone. <laughs> Being like a just to fuck with people, but, you know, we'll see. Can God forgive us? This time we left the pedestals empty like bomb yarn. Fitted the Bentley with the car bomb. Bend the knee. Rap the team. Iwo Jima, Christ the Redeemer, more life. Mike outside the arena, the rucker. Jimmy and Cam running out they sneakers. Seat gutter, La Liga. Willie Mays winded his back, frozen in freezes. Project shadows deepen. Rusted home plate plaque, locked. The meteorite in a black box. RIP murals, but also fuck the ops. 
dead men tower over city blocks. I built the church atop the synagogue where you built your mosque. Dead man sidestepping the morgue, pitchforks, gas reek from the torch. Mummify eyes peep like a pit boss. Ray for Edmund III when they need another Ricky Ross. Mandela smiling forever. What's clever? Joseph Stalin styling on him. Who better? King Crimson out the guillotine. You must not got the newsletter. It's a new day. Man has no property in man. The dead have no say. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, it was really awesome to be a part of that. Not, you know, like you said, like not a lot of festivals, you know, mingle with different, you know, genres like that. And they really fucking went with it. Um, Matt is really, Matt Crook, who, you know, uh, is running it. He just did a fantastic job curating and Chaz is part of that bill. And originally they just got me to go over and it's like, yeah, I'm going to be playing in it. You know, I think Matt, uh, Sage said that he was going to come up and then he was like, yeah, maybe I'll just ask if we could play. And then we ended up on the bill, but it was, it was awesome. Arm and hammer, you know, that album they dropped last year is fucking hard. So to open for them was fucking weird. Cool. You know, I was like, what? And then um, Yellow Eyes uh, was on the last night, and that is a band that I've been listening to since, like, you know, they first came out, so probably like a decade, you know? And, like, surreal to even hear them play and meet them. And I remember, so we played on that last night, and Tom was opening. And before that, um, Tom and Chaz did like a radio station thing collab and then Tom was like yeah if you guys want to play on this show too you know uh, fuck it let's do it and so we were setting up when I was going I was like alright don't fanboy out you know just be cool and of course within like 30 seconds of meeting them I was like oh my god I'm fucking huge fan like I got the fucking first box set from like years ago that you guys first put out like I got all the shit like man you guys are like everything like holy shit and then, you know, I was like, all right, I'm going to go get my, uh, you know, pedal board. Just walk in my car or walk into Chaz's car. Like, man, blew it. <laughs> but they were like, yeah, but they were super sweet dudes. We hung out after and, you know, they were just incredible life. And I think it's really nice to, to meet uh, musicians that you've heard for so long, you know, or been listening to and, you know, some kind of like heroes. Um, like even meeting Godspeed and you know hanging out with them, like they were all just fucking nice, cool people, you know. And the yellow guys, all nice, cool, funny people. And I think there's nothing worse than meeting your hero and having them be, you know, not what you imagined or you know, a piece of shit. And so that was really cool. Yeah.
Um, I mean, to me, I think the performance is that experience is just um, you can't replicate that. You know, there's just something about being in a room, even with just like 10 people. You know, I think, or personally for me, it brings out something differently. You know, like I feel like it, I care more. You know, I want to try more. It puts me in a different mindset um, rather than, you know, practicing at home is great, but, you know, playing in front of people is just something else. And it's just something that's so special to be able to share and even to listen to, you know. We're lucky to be actually that that festival, you know, uh, in Columbia, just hearing music person again uh, after so long and, you know, so not and it was incredible to feel it you know be there with people um i to be honest i wasn't sure how i mean i didn't even think that online collaborations was gonna would be a thing for me you know um like you said for me you know collaborations you know it's important and i think you know being with someone to flesh out the music or you know record live, you know, especially with improvisation, right? Being in a room with someone and feeding off of them in real time uh, is super important, you know, to the quality of music that is going to be made. Um, I think for Fubuzchi, it worked out because we were more crafting like songs than, you know, than soundscapes or, or anything like that. Um, but I, I, I do think too, the time that we recorded that music, was a time where, you know, no one was performing. You know, I certainly didn't have an outlet for that. And so I think that became some sort of performance aspect, you know, in my mind. Um, so that when I recorded that same kind of energy came out, you know, um, recording in videos do make me really fucking nervous. Um, especially if, you know, we're paying someone to be there uh, you know, I just freak out about the time that we're there, you know, how much money, like, we gotta get the fuck out of here, like, we gotta do it now, we only have a day, or, you know, whatever the situation is. Um, so recording at home is, you know, it's a nice, comfortable uh, situation where I could try stuff, doesn't work out, you know, you got tomorrow night or, you know, the weekend. Um, but even... I did a, another online collaboration with uh, Camila Nebia. Um, you know, we've never met. She, at the time, lived in uh, Buenos Aires, and then now she's in Europe. Um, but that was kind of a free improvised uh, duo, and you know, we talked a lot on, you know, messaging and and uh, you know, Facetime a couple of times, and that came out better than I, you know, thought. You know, any expectation I had, like, it surpassed it. And, you know, I'm sure it is part, part of the reason why is because she's such an amazing, you know, human and musician. Um, but, you know, I, I think that it's more of a possibility now. You know, I don't think that, like, the lockdown or the quarantine, I would have realized that, you know, um, and... Yeah, I mean, we'll see what this year brings. And, you know, I, this is not to say that, you know, I'm Dropbox exclusive, <laughs> but I 
can't wait to get, you know, I wonder if there'll be any time of adjustment, you know, going back to playing with people in, in person. And um, I got to play a duo show um, in December with Victoria Shen. Um, and that was like a first time meeting, but I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I was nervous, you know, before we started, but playing with each other was like, like, damn, like I missed it, you know? Um, and yeah, I think I'm really excited for that to become more of a natural reoccurring situation than, uh, than not. I mean, yeah, it's about the playing, but it's definitely about how you capture it too, you know? And Felix has taught me a lot, just as far as like, you know, even if you have like two shitty mics, how you should place them to capture like the whole dynamic of the, and the horn is such a weird instrument, you know? Like, even if you have one that's a little, fr I mean, it might be for all instruments, I don't know. I'm really shitty with it, but you know, if you have too far, two mics, like this will capture the highs and this will capture the lows, you know? And if you just have one, like it's gonna sound shitty. But combining them and blending it really gives it a you know more rounder sound and you know he's um, you know been available. He's super meticulous and he just really does a, a great job you know mixing, mastering you know everything and you know blending his time to teach me you know stuff that I could use. Uh, I try and pick up as much as I can so I don't have to bug him. You know, <laughs> he just had a kid and you know it's. It's beautiful, but, you know, time is, you know, uh, more limited when you have a child. And so um, I'm trying to do better at, like, getting things prepped before I send to him. But um, I definitely, you know, I guess in my practice, I have, like, live recordings and then more things that are more focused in, you know. And so for that more focused in projects that I want to sound, like, bigger or, like, kind of stretch out more, I definitely consult him and, you know, I'll give it to him to mix and master and just he can take his time with, you know, whatever he needs because I know it's going to come back, you know, better than what I, what I thought would be possible. Yeah, I mean, Felix definitely helps me out. A lot of the recordings are just like random spaces that, you know, I was able to get my hands on for that day or whatever it is. And so he'll come in and kind of, you know, look at the space, figure out where it is and then, you know, he'll do his thing on, on the post, but yeah, it's uh, shout out Felix for sure. <laughs> a lot of the times now when I record in a studio, it's like a friend's studio or like, you know, they're, it's at a friend's place or, you know, a comfortable situation. And so, um, that and a lot of it now is improvising, you know, and so I'm able to get in the zone and just focus on, you know, whoever I'm playing with. Um, I tend to close my eyes when I play because if I don't, you know, I'll get distracted and think, you know, silly things. 
but yeah, studios. <laughs> Um, I mean, saxophone is definitely, I have an alto that, you know, if I had to take one horn on tour or like, you know, with me, um, it would be that one. Um, but I just, I, it gives me a vehicle to help me express things in a way that I am not able to with words. You know, I feel like I'm not that articulate, you know, my diction is kind of trash, you know, and... <laughs> The horn just gives me a, a a way to say things that I'm feeling, you know, in a in a pure way that you know I, I stumble on otherwise. Um, and I'm glad, you know, I stuck with it. You know, I'm sure my wallet's not because you know I have several horns, but you know, it's it's. I think I'd be a very different person if I had never found, you know, the horn.